0: what's up guys bang bang today's a special episode i've taken questions from you the listeners on twitter and i'm going to do my best to answer as many of them as i can polina my wife is here to read them out because i can't read very well and we are going to do our best so bear with us but before we get into the episode i'm really excited to answer these questions i want to talk about our sponsors first up is circle circle is a new sponsor so pay attention here they're a global financial technology firm that enables businesses of all sizes to harness the power of stablecoins in public blockchains. Jesus public blockchains for payments, commerce, and financial applications worldwide. Circle is also a principal developer of USD Coin, USDC, it's a stable coin, which is the fastest growing regulated, fully reserved dollar stable coin in the world. It's now standing at more than $11 billion market cap and is adding nearly $300 million in net new digital dollars in circulation every week. Simply, Circle is exploding with that USDC So the free Circle account and suite of platform API services bridges the gap between traditional payments and crypto for trading, DeFi, and NFT marketplaces. Go to Circle.com. Right now, go to Circle.com and check them out. They are really, really pushing the pace of innovation. I'm a huge, huge fan of Jeremy and the rest of the team. So go to Circle.com, the fastest growing stablecoin in the market. Circle.com next up is exodus they're leading the world out of the traditional financial system by building beautiful and user-friendly blockchain products with their focus on design and user experience exodus has become one of the most popular and loved cryptocurrency apps it's supported on both desktop and mobile allowing you to sync your wallet across multiple devices so you can have access to your funds anywhere you can instantly exchange around 100 different cryptocurrencies straight from your wallet Interactive charts let you view an asset's price history and your portfolio's performance over time. And maybe the best part, Exodus is integrated with the Treasure Hardware Wallet, making advanced security easy for everyone. Visit Exodus.com for your free download or search Exodus on the App Store or the Play Store. Again, Exodus.com for your free download or search Exodus on the App Store or the Play Store. Exodus.com Last up is Crypto.com. With over 10 million users, they are the easiest way to buy and sell over 100 cryptocurrencies. You can download the app at Crypto.com and get $25 with my code POMP. If you want to get all sorts of cash back, you can get 8% back instantly with that Crypto.com Visa card, and it also comes with all kinds of amazing perks at Netflix, Spotify, Amazon Prime subscriptions, and you also get airport lounge access for you and a guest at hundreds of airports around the world. Of course, the Crypto.com Visa card gives you all this with no annual or monthly fees to worry about. Go to Crypto.com app today, use the code POMP, and you will get $25. Two, five, go do it. All right, let's get into this episode. We are gonna do our absolute best here. No judgment. Paulina's is going to read the questions. I'm going to do my best to answer them, and let's see how it goes. First question.
1: First question comes from at Brent underscore KT. Do you and Paulina find time to unplug, or is it full throttle all day, every day? It's inspirational, but I hope you guys find some time away from the screens.
0: I find lots of time to unplug. Uh, I actually think a lot about the balance between ambition and happiness right now. And the more that I spend being happy, I actually get better and better results. So it's more of a work smarter, not necessarily harder. Uh, That doesn't mean that I don't work hard or not a lot of hours, but it just means that I'm much more intentional about the work that I do and also more intentional about getting my eight hours of sleep, shout out eight sleep, or I am much more intentional about spending time with Polina, going on walks, eating dinner together. Etc. Etc. So definitely intentional uh, about all of that, but uh, I think the balance between ambition and happiness is the way that I kind of use the mental framework today.
1: Um, this one is related, and it comes from at altcoins. Sorry, altcoin beats. Who really is pump? Let's erase all of this crypto and financial stuff at your core. So where would you be working, and what truly makes you happy in life? Yes, besides the lovely Paulina.
0: I'm just a dude. That's it. Literally, I'm just a dude. Uh, Whether it is uh, going to a bar, hanging with my brothers, hanging with my wife, I'm just a guy and I enjoy doing what I enjoy doing. And so who you see is pretty much it. Uh, I say and act the same way in person as I do in business meetings uh, or in private. And I think that that's part of the beauty of it is I'm just me, and I try to be as authentic as I possibly can uh, because that's when I'm happiest. And so uh, I don't think there's really any kind of secret or any curtain necessarily to uh, kind of reveal behind. Uh, it's just me having a blast, and uh, hopefully other people are along for the ride.
1: At Rob Joe 66 you often get faced with the accusation that you are smart. You nearly always deny or claim that the guy next to you is smarter. Why? Why don't you just take it when it's obviously true in your area slash field?
0: I think that the idea of being quote unquote smart is a finite position to end up in. Uh, There's a saying that the more you know about something, the more you realize you don't understand. And I think that that constant pursuit of uh, intellectual curiosity and information ends up teaching you that Uh, you're not nearly as smart as the next person. You're not nearly as smart as you will be in the future. And so if you're constantly trying to, uh, compare yourself to a past version of yourself, sure. You're smarter today, hopefully than you were yesterday, but I think of smart as a very static position. Um, and so I constantly just think about if I'm still learning, how could I possibly be smart if uh, if there's still, still more to go.
1: Jose Silva, in the past, you've talked about the Bitcoin market cycles and even said that 2022 will most likely be a down year for the asset. Do you plan on selling some at the top of this year and then reaccumulating in 2022 to 2033?
0: I think that it's nearly impossible to time markets, um, especially with any level of uh, super granular accuracy. And so I think that what we've seen is if you held Bitcoin over the last 10 years, Lots of volatility, hundreds of percent up and, you know, 70, 80 percent downside uh, in some years. But what was true along the way was Bitcoin continued to grow at a 200 percent compound annual growth rate uh, for a decade. And so just holding ended up doing all right. And I think that that's a, a really great way for people to kind of look at this. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't think I can tie markets. I don't think most people can. So if, uh, if you can't do it, then don't try
1: greg asks what company that you invested in this part past year are you most excited about and what is one company that you shouldn't have passed on
0: i don't know if there's necessarily just one company um i can talk about maybe two companies that i've written the largest check to uh in the last 12 months might be a good way to kind of uh you know just talk about one or two of them uh obviously BlockFi. Um, I'm a huge fan of, uh, have invested a lot of money, sit on the board there. Uh, I believe that BlockFi's pursuit of deposits and payments over a simple brokerage model will end up proving to be very, very valuable. Uh, obviously, the last round was raised at $3 billion valuation. I think that they'll continue to perform very well uh, through the rest of this year and into the future. And so uh, that business uh, is led by Flori and Zach. They're doing a fantastic job, They've got over 500 employees around the world. Um, and I think that kind of this idea of building uh, actual crypto products uh, for crypto investors or financial products for crypto investors is, uh, you know, just getting started. And it'll be cool to kind of see what else they roll out over the years. Um, the other company is Strike. Uh, I think that this is probably one of the most underrated companies in the space or products. Uh, Strike allows you to send any currency across the lightning network um, and have it instantaneously settled uh, for free. And so Jack Mahler's is by far, uh, in my opinion, one of the smartest People in the Bitcoin space. He continues to be incredibly principled in his view of the company and product he wants to build and his outlook on Bitcoin. Uh, So, just super excited to kind of continue to invest in Jack and his vision of the future. Um, So, those two companies I think are pretty simple uh, to kind of point out just because they were the two largest checks that I wrote recently. Um, And then, when it comes to a company that I should have passed on uh, or I should not have passed on, I'll go way, way back. Uh, I had a chance. Um, So I had a very small check in DoorDash uh, when I was working at Facebook. A friend of mine, uh, Angel Investor, invested in the seed round. Uh, I met who was, I believe he was the head of growth at the time um, and they were kind of closing up around. I had no clue what Angel Investing was. I had no interest in doing that. Uh, Really dumb on my part. Uh, Ended up being a multi-billion dollar company. So uh, you kind of just want to go back in hindsight and get the ones that you knew would have worked. Uh, but again, you know, it, it put me in a position that I am today. So you can't really regret it or, or worry too much about it. You just keep trucking.
1: Alexander Loris the COVID-19 pandemic disproportionately hurt small businesses while larger corporations adjusted, thrived, and took more market share. Bezos embraces Biden admins higher corporate taxes. How will this affect small businesses and large corporations differently?
0: I think that large corporations are very intelligent about ensuring that they show little to no profit uh, because of all of their R&D uh, and kind of their reinvestment into their own business. And so when you do that, uh, you end up paying you know near zero taxes. Uh, that's not... Uh, any sort of verdict on bad behavior by the corporations. They're simply operating within the rules. And actually, we should encourage people to pay nothing in taxes if what they're doing is they're taking any free cash flow and they're reinvesting it into uh, kind of progress, innovation, uh, entrepreneurial type activities um, and making their business better, employing more people, et cetera. So it's a weird thing because I think a lot of people uh, like to yell and scream about the fact that large corporations aren't paying taxes. But what that means is that they're reinvesting anything that would have been profit which actually ends up making it a bigger and bigger company over time which means that it can employ more people it can make more progress serve more customers all that at the same time, most small businesses, one, uh, are not as sophisticated. They actually end up booking a profit, so they pay taxes. Uh, but also, two, is it's just smaller numbers. And so uh, it's one of these things where the big companies are going to be absolutely fine. Uh, but when you raise taxes, you actually hurt the smaller companies, right? Uh, because they're the ones who are operating on the smallest margins. They're the ones who uh, literally the difference between 21 and 28% corporate tax rate could be the difference between hiring two more people or firing two people. And so when you start to look at uh, kind of the impact, I think that a lot of these policies, although they're targeted at trying to affect uh, and impact the largest companies in the country, remember, they've got lots of lawyers, lots of accountants. They're very sophisticated and they find ways to operate within the rules, uh, but continue to build progress and build their companies. The small businesses are the ones that don't have those resources and end up getting hurt. And so I generally think that we should encourage more free markets and worry less about government intervention.
1: Sergio Steph, <laughs> do you think that current market cap of crypto is too big to face a threat of being banned in the future? If yes, what do you think that the governments will do in regards to crypto and the blockchain technology as a whole? Will they see these as a threat or on the contrary?
0: I think that we're past the point where governments are going to be able to ban the entire industry. Like That seems pretty uh, far-fetched at this point. Uh, with that said, they may try to ban individual assets. They may try to attack specific companies or regulate them. Uh, with all of that, I think that we're likely to see Uh, continued growth regardless. So we've seen in certain countries like Nigeria, Pakistan, uh, China, talk of it in places like India uh, and elsewhere where they actually banned something like Bitcoin or other types of assets and actually adoption has gone up. Um, And so I think that really what we're starting to kind of look at here is less about like, is it a binary? Do they ban it? Do they not? Instead, I think the way that is much more likely for them to kind of attack or or, uh, kind of be adversarial is just tax it more, uh, regulate it more, uh, regulate the companies, make it super difficult to operate businesses in the industry, right? Now, the outright ban is a pretty aggressive move and hard to, to see. But I think that uh, the continued pressure on the corporations and individuals in the space, that's likely to see where they're going to get a lot of traction. Uh, so hopefully that doesn't happen. But to me, that's kind of the more likely outcome if, uh, if there's continued government pressure.
1: Okay. Ariel, how can people who make less than 100K a year make an exit from fiat efficiently? And what things should they stockpile before fiat dramatically declines in value?
0: I don't think anyone has to worry about like hyperinflation in the United States. I think that's uh, a kind of a false narrative and, and one that uh, people should be careful about spreading. I think instead what we need to understand is that there's a continued devaluation of the dollar. And so it's not like if you have $100 in the bank, all of a sudden you're not going to be able to buy a loaf of bread, right? Like that, that's not kind of what you need to worry about. What you do need to worry about is maybe that rather than your dollar being devalued at a 2% rate, maybe it's 4 or 5 or 6 or 7%. So it's not, again, quite as binary. I think it's more of the kind of the gray area. With that said, I don't worry about uh, aggregate dollar amounts. So whether you're making $10 million a year, $100K a year, or literally $10,000 a year, uh, a lot of it is on a percentage basis. Now, uh, I say that. Obviously, if you make more dollars, it's easier to uh, kind of adhere to certain percentages uh, because if you you know, only make twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 a year, then you still have bills. And so things like food or gas end up being a much, much higher percentage of your uh, income than let's say somebody who makes a hundred K or a million or $10 million a year. And so I think that you just got to think of it in percentages, right? If somebody who makes a hundred K a year can put, let's say, $1,000 into Bitcoin uh, as kind of a savings slash investment, then maybe you can't do $1,000, but what you can do is you can do $100 or $10. The percentages, I think, is what's much, much more important. Uh, And what you have to remember is that the key financial um, kind of principle here is spend less than you make. And so if you can spend less than you make, you can get out of debt, you can get into investable assets, and you can be patient. I think you got a shot at building real long-term wealth.
1: At samstick33. Who are the people that when they release some content, you stop everything you're doing to read or listen?
0: Other than my wife, who is the (laughs) smartest person that I know, uh, nobody. And I think that that's actually a really important thing is uh, I long ago uh, gave up on having any heroes uh, or believing that. Um, you know, somebody was hundred percent right all the time, or somebody had, uh, accurate views all the time, or was even interesting all of the time. I think it's less about who the individual is and it's much more about the content itself. Um, and so that's a little bit of a, a nuanced way of looking at it, but there's some people who I think are incredibly intelligent who just might write something that's bad, uh, vice versa. I actually think there's some people who I don't think are quite that intelligent, Uh, But then they write something that's super interesting and thought provoking. And so I think of it less in terms of like, who is that individual or or that group of people? And I think it much more about the the quality of the content. Now, how do I determine that? A lot of times it is literally, um, I've got a whole host of people that I follow specifically for the content that they share. And I almost use that social graph as somewhat of a filtering mechanism. Got to be careful. It doesn't become an echo chamber. You only read what everybody else is reading. But at the same time, if you see two or three people that you like and, and that you can with on a regular basis, all sharing the same article, it's probably worth the time investment to go ahead and read it. And so I think that's kind of the way that I look at a lot of it.
1: I like this uh, name, Beep Beep, I'm a Jeep. (laughs) I currently have a mechanical engineering background. How would someone like me transition to the cryptocurrency job field? What skills would you recommend to acquire? Where would I even start?
0: So I think there's a couple of different things you can do. You can use the skills you have, or you can try and fill a role that doesn't need those skills. Uh, As a mechanical engineer, I'm sure there's tons of mining, Uh, companies and people who create hardware um, that have you know needs for uh, mechanical engineering or other types of uh, you know kind of more um, uh, engineering type degrees and so I think that you can absolutely go find roles that align with the skill set you have at the same time uh, you may say look I don't want to do engineering maybe I want to do something else and so I think that what you should do in that situation is just start from first principles and really try to boil down what do you enjoy doing what do you want to do and then really go out and look for those types of roles And so it's kind of a a bad answer, if you will, but I think that there's directly applicable uh, jobs for mechanical engineering, um, but I also think that a lot of people feel tied to um, or pot committed to a degree or to experience. They say, oh, well, I went and got a degree at mechanical engineering. I've done this for the last five years. I feel like that's the only thing that I can uh, offer somebody. That's not necessarily true, but you gotta ask yourself, what do you want to do? And I think that's usually the best place to start because it'll lead you uh, kind of to the place where you'll be the happiest.
1: John Arch, BTC. What is the best slash most memorable question you've ever been
0: asked? One time, Polina asked me if I felt fat.
1: What? <laughs> I did not do that.
0: And I had just eaten about 16 Domino's pizza slices. And I looked at her and I said, pH or FAT? So that was probably the most memorable questions anyone's ever asked me.
1: Oh, my God. Okay. <clears throat>
0: what was I supposed to say?
1: One time I asked Anthony, the first time I met him, I asked him if he thought that two ambitious people could be together.
0: I don't remember my answer.
1: (laughs) You said yes. (laughs) Okay, Dave, what sort of impact is Bitcoin going to have short and long term on the banking system in terms of damage to them, overtaking them and changing the way people bank? It almost feels like banks are making it hard to put money in crypto and I get the feeling it's out of fear.
0: The best companies in any industry navigate every technology shift. So the reason why Goldman Sachs has been around for a hundred gazillion years is because Goldman Sachs has navigated literally—it uh, seems like the printing press, which probably is not true—but uh, everything from the internet to mobile phones to beepers uh, to you know SaaS software, uh, cloud computing, uh, and now cryptocurrency. And so I think that you've got to remember that uh, some of these institutions have been around for so long because they understand those technology shifts. They're willing to adapt and change when they feel like the information changes. So we're seeing some of that today. Uh, there's plenty of other large institutions or incumbents who are absolutely screwed. They're completely antiquated and archaic and they're thinking and they are going to get smacked, literally could go bankrupt or have to be bought in terms of uh, protecting that shareholder equity. And so it's hard to predict kind of who's going to end up where. uh, But I think that you can use history as a guide. If you've seen a firm kind of over and over and over again, navigate those technology shifts uh, and be able to kind of incorporate new technology into their business, and not only survive, but actually thrive over many decades. They probably have the DNA and the, and the higher probability of being successful, doesn't guarantee success, but at least it gives them a shock.
1: Ben Wehrman, you frequently voice your conviction that BlockFi will become one of the most important companies in the world. As a new user and instant fan of the platform, this gets me hyped, but could you elaborate on how you see the future unfolding for them as adoption explodes?
0: Yeah, so the reason why I say that they're going to be one of the most important companies uh, really just stems from they're going after payments and deposits. Uh, That, to me, is the most scalable model when building a financial institution. Uh, And so compared to the brokerage businesses, which are the crypto exchanges, I think BlockFi is in a much better position uh, from a scalability and a profitability standpoint. Uh, I could be wrong. We'll see. But that's my personal opinion. Uh, With that said, uh, I think that BlockFi and also the other infrastructure companies all benefit when adoption goes up. Right. When you look at, let's say, Bitcoin going from 10K kind of at Q4 last year to the now $60,000, tons of new users came into the market and also the existing users started to use the products more often. And so just like Coinbase came out and showed these magnificent growth numbers going from 1.3 billion in revenue in Q or uh, in uh, 2020 to 1.8 billion in revenue just in Q1. You're seeing that across the board, Kraken, BlockFi, all these companies, just metrics are up and to the right. And the reason is because the tailwind of price movement and new user adoption ends up driving revenue, profitability, et cetera. And so I tend to think that it's less a BlockFi story around adoption, and it's more so just the overall industry. But because of BlockFi's specific business strategy, I think that they will have an outsized benefit accrue to them uh, going after that deposits and payments rather than solely going after brokerage.
1: Nick Clement, there is a greater than 0% chance that Bitcoin could go to zero and become worthless. If this would happen, what do you think would be the cause?
0: I think the most likely thing is a self-induced error, meaning that during the development process, somebody introduces an error. I think it's highly, highly, highly unlikely. Um, And that's why there's such a methodical, intentional development process. But to me, that would be the most likely scenario. Um, And I actually don't think that Bitcoin can go to zero. Uh, I actually could promise you it won't go exactly to zero. It may go really close to zero in in that situation, Uh, but I'll buy them all up at the end. And so uh, maybe I can keep it at a dollar. Uh, but, but I don't know if it'd go actually to zero just because whenever you have uh, kind of bid and asks on a, uh, on a marketplace, uh, unlikely that it goes exactly to zero.
1: All right. This is a good question to end on Rahul Zoda advice to young people. What do you wish someone told you at age 20? Make it actionable,
0: go bigger, be more ambitious and have no fucking fear. And the reason why I say that is because what you realize is whether you're 20 30 50 or on your deathbed we're all gonna die and if you know that we all end up in the same place you have a finite amount of time on earth and so you use it to your advantage try to do the most epic shit you possibly can while you're here rather than simply trying to always play it safe go bigger be more ambitious and have no fucking fear that's the way to live your life in my opinion woohoo All right, guys, that is it. Make sure that you go check out the sponsors. Click on the link in the description. I appreciate all of you. Thank you so much for sending all the questions, and we will have to do this again in the future.